Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And we've got tons of stuff to talk about, some upcoming festival news, some major awards updates. But first, let's talk about how I'm not going to gloat on this podcast. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I set myself up. Week, Last week, we recorded at the end of Cannes we, and the Palm d'Or ceremony hadn't happened yet. And I believe you said, maybe I'll sound like an idiot later, but how can you say Titane is going to win the Palm d'Or? And, you know, look what happened. So it's it's Titan. I gloated. I'm sorry. It's Titan. <laughs> you could be right about one thing. <laughs> no, here's what I was basically saying. French, I, I was saying that it was unlikely that a jury in even this jury would take such an outrageous, extraordinary film, which was, by the way, the best film I saw at Cannes. I agree with you about what a great movie it is, along with the Farhadi, a hero, which did get another prize. It had to share a prize. So those are two of the movies that came out of Cannes that are going to go on to become uh, big deals in in the, uh, you know, and most of the Cannes movies end up being foreign language entries anyway. So maybe Japan will go for Drive My Car, or maybe, um, you know, we'll see Norway submit uh, the worst person in the world whose actress won uh, the Palme d'Or for Best Actress. So, so you know, there was a lot of shared love. Uh, Memoria shared another prize. You know, yeah. there, there's a lot. And Caleb Landry Jones winning uh, best actor uh, for a movie that screened at the very end of the festival, and I don't think it even still has distribution. Nitron yeah. from Justin well, Kurzel. It's a tough one because it's a shooter. It's about an Australian shooter that you know, sort of stim- whose act stimulated anti-gun laws in the country. But it is a really astounding and disturbing performance. So it does kind of make sense. I mean, it. I think a lot of us probably assumed Simon Rex from Red Rocket had that one. In I the did bag. not think they would do but, that for the same reason. I didn't think they would go with with Titan. It has to do with hmm. what is uh, presentable and appropriate. And they went against that. I was I proud of them. I was the proud thing. of them. I, I think it wasn't I mean, obviously, I was less surprised, right? And it wasn't just pure wishful thinking. I actually think what you said at the start is crucial. It was your favorite movie of the festival. It was my favorite movie of the festival. It was it's everybody you, we polled at IndieWire's favorite it, movie. Yeah, we polled 30 nine. odd critics voted. And, and, and the directing, too. They went everybody for, for, went for both. Bonkers for this movie. And even if they didn't like it, they admitted that it had this this vision on display. I saw almost all the movies in competition. I saw a lot of good stuff. A lot of the movies you mentioned I thought were very good. But when you talk about a movie that's a palm movie, right? The same way we talk about is this a competition film, like this curatorial kind of process of going through these films and looking at quality one film after the next. This was the movie that I thought hit that sweet spot. Of, of being both visionary, very satisfying to a wide range of people. And also just it felt like a good movie to salute. Like we want to celebrate that kind of cinema, that kind of. I rich. would have thought they would give give her, you know, also, let's let's be honest. Uh, Can has not been <laughs> uh, handing out a lot of awards to women over the years. This is only the second time. Uh, that a woman has won the Palme d'Or as a, a director, director. Yeah, yeah, as a director. Yeah, and, and, and Jane Campion and actually so, shared the award with another filmmaker the year she won. So, 
This is the first uh, so this is this is so it, it isn't out of, out of line for me to think. Oh God, they're going to give the woman screenplay or, or directing or something like Grand Prix or something like that jury prize. But they didn't. They went for the big one, and I'm very proud of them for doing it. Uh, poor Spike, of course, had his his moment of of blundering. Uh, part I really think his issue had to do with not understanding French. And, well, yeah, I mean, I was you know, watching this at back at home with my VPN in Queens and uh, watching it, it was it was so funny because, you know, obviously there was a voiceover for anytime someone spoke English and he wasn't wearing the headset. So it was he like wasn't the the French was just coming at him. I would be surprised if they did a dry run for that beforehand. I think he was I don't think he had a rehearsal because he right. clearly didn't know what the agenda was. I, right. I said at the time, I said somebody didn't brief Spike, they should have really made, if they were giving him a piece of paper and making sure that he introduced each of the categories, they clearly didn't make it clear to him. And he was like, so she said, what's what's the first prize? And she meant, what is the first one coming up that you're giving out, your jury's giving out? And he went, oh, I know what the first prize is. And he, yeah. and he and gives Melanie away Marat, the whole thing. He's like standing there awkwardly, like facing Melanie. Oh, Marat, he was like, so embarrassed. Moment. But I have to say, I mean, one, he reacted well to it, all things considered. I think he played it for laughs. He may have been very embarrassed. But also, it was actually great TV. I mean, I found it really entertaining. <laughs> As the thought, it was very like, real. <laughs> when he came back and he was like, I believe in second chances, and he was about to do it again. And they he were was like, about to do it again. Yet. Yeah, not yet. We're going to bring out uh, Sharon Stone. <laughs> to just to, to introduce the prize because she was around doing the Ombar Gala the night before. So they do better when they, you know, they pull in the Jodie Fosters and the Oliver Stone. You know, Oliver Stone's mom was it was was French, so he actually speaks fluent French also. So unfortunately, Spike is not a fluent French speaker. But if the jury reactions were hilarious, you know, they were Maybe Melanie Laurent was freaking. I mean, out. But then, yeah. but then Julia, Julia Ducano, who came up, said, you know, tonight was I think she said something like it was perfect because it wasn't perfect or something like that. I mean, just like embrace the messiness of all of this stuff i thought it made a, a ceremony that often is maybe a little too formal more entertaining so she also made some very strong statements uh, uh at the event and and at the uh, jury press conference about uh and to you directly about not wanting to be uh just a woman director and one of the things that i've she got very emotional at the jury press conference um, when when the um, when uh, Didier uh, Alouche asked her uh, about w w did she feel free when she was making this film and and and, and as question. a filmmaker and and she got very upset and said you know she has to fight every single day. Yeah to get yeah. what she wants on the screen. And what's great about that movie is you know she was in control of every moment of that script and that that yeah. uh, uh, direction. It, it's yeah. very controlled. People love a good discovery. She is a discovery. I mean, you know, a lot of us saw Raw and thought this was a, a, a filmmaker with an incredible vision using body horror in a more exciting way than we've seen Very Cronenbergian. Yeah, it's yeah. like Cronenberg, but in a different in a different kind of context in a way and even a more like emotionally resonant and thematically uh, timely uh, way that, that I think really elevates the work that she's doing. And you got to hand it to neon. They had the Bong Joon-ho film parasite uh, winning two a years in ago. Two years so this ago. in effect is a, is a, is a follow up. Right. So they bought the, the North American rights for this movie 
not knowing that obviously that this was going to happen, but that kind of calculated risk does seem to be paying off. And they have excellent taste. They had Memoria as well. They, yeah. And they also bought during the festival right before uh, they bought the worst person in the world, which was up for grabs. And a lot of different yeah. distributors were kicking the wheels on that one. Yeah, but let's look at uh, Titan, which in English, I believe, is titanium. And that's right. Also, you could call it Titan because she said that she was sort of inspired by the Greek mythology of the birth of the Titans. So they have some options there if they want to play around with that. But I know this is a tough sell as a French Oscar submission, but let's not completely rule it out as an awards movie because it they has won't do it. They but it won't has do an it. impact on people. Just Everybody remember, I, I may it. not it's have called theater. it right on the jury. I may not. But rem uh, part of why that is, is that I have a sense of, of how the, the, the these awards givers the, yeah. think. And, the, and I definitely have a sense of how the Academy Awards givers think. It'll be up to France. France will make the decision of what to submit. They could submit something like uh, Paris uh, District 13 from Odiard or, or some... Or, or they or could, Francois they could submit new film. something else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they could go more conventional Oscar y way, which was what happened with Les Miserables getting it over uh, Portrait of Lady on Fire because they, and they were right, it did get nominated. I mean, that doesn't mean Portrait wouldn't. That's have, a big deal but, getting nominated. But I also think that the, like, again, people are going to be, the more people that see this movie are going to be excited to talk about it. Spike Lee said in the press conference it had, a little bit of genius and a little bit of crazy. And that's like what filmmaking is all about. Some, I'm paraphrasing, but it's yeah, worth no, seeing he, that. And he's right. There will and be he's right. more advocates it's, for this film. Here's where it's going to go. It's going to have... It's, but here's the thing, Eric. I mean, I, I could be wrong again, but mm -hmm. it's not Parasite. <laughs> And remember oh, that Parasite okay. was a was, well, that was This a, is a um, genre film, too. Yeah, it but, is. And it's outrageous in, in a certain and kind of way. it's fun to talk about it, and we both liked it. We loved it, and it'll be oh. on my 10 best list, and the critics are mm. going to support it, and it's going to win prizes from the critics. That I can see. Uh, the question is whether whether France, in its wisdom, and they don't always do the right thing, whether France will submit it. And then you also have, just to put it out there, two really remarkable performances, one from this newcomer, Agatha Roussel. I don't know if I'm saying her name correctly, who was cast off of Instagram based on her androgynous looks really incredible performance that apparently she spent a year preparing for and the great, Vincent, great. Vincent Lindon who's like completely against type he's a major actor in France I mean that could be a supporting actor play. he's from Belgium and Belgium. he's a he's yeah. an incredible he's actor, actor. Yeah. and he won the best actor at Cannes a, a few years ago for measure of a man and what's great about this is what the director was able to get out of him and he said he had it completely changed his view of acting yeah, uh, working with her. So Julia DeCarnot, keep your eyes peeled. Let's see what yeah. happens with her. Yeah. I don't think she, she should make a Marvel movie, but we'll see what happens as her you never uh, know. fans. So let's talk about other stuff going on. One of the things that I think was most striking about our Cannes experience is that in spite of having no saliva left to give because of all the spitting that we had to do, we felt 
pretty comfortable overall with the can experience we felt safe going to europe it we was reassuring back, okay. in a way because you had to have a vaccination to get into europe and you had to get a vaccination to get back into the united states and yep. and when you were at can if you were american the vaccination was irrelevant you need but if some places did <laughs> demand it there were some parties that demanded it and then yeah. you had to keep it on hand just in case and then you had the testing every two days which again was reassuring i didn't feel at all ever in any danger when no, i was at camp me, me neither and, and, and you now could i'm argue... home and everything is spiking yeah, and canada they... is opening up on the one hand while you know take you know making t toronto a possibility well, and then I mean, uh the american on. side is saying you can't get back in hang on though there, before you get into all that what i was just going to say is you could even argue that we were safer in a controlled environment like can in spite of the scale of people at that event than you might be in certain places in your local supermarket yeah exactly. but my attitude is wearing a mask indoors is the answer and you had to wear a mask indoors in can too you did yep. you, in a theater. In theater we were never in yeah. the theater without a mask yeah you had to and if you weren't then someone might tell you to put it on so yet we come back to the U.S. and we see all kinds of issues coming coming up now. This past week, the spike of um, you know daily deaths in Nevada uh, has thrown a real shadow over the possibility of CinemaCon being a destination for. A lot of people i knew you were i was gonna go i was gonna go to CinemaCon. i think it's one of the most interesting CinemaCons ever to attend there's so much going on with the theaters and i wanted to get on the ground and talk to people and uh, and the you know the studios were going to do their show and tells uh, a lot of them last year lost an enormous amount of money because they had prepared all of those sizzle reels and then they didn't go uh so i think they're going through the same thing again um i'm really curious to see if it actually goes forward uh and you have things like like um patrick corcoran and john fithian you know releasing this this nato uh statement about blue you know black widow and and how they lost money by having it be day and date uh on on a on on Disney Plus and so forth with a premium price, and it was really a lot of people reacted badly to that to that memo because it was sort of oversimplifying reality. Yeah, I mean, there may have been a kernel of truth to it, but it's certainly a debate that could have had more substance if it wasn't just a bunch of like everybody just from one side decides to look it's at a propaganda really everything yeah, is propaganda yeah exactly we're not seeing like it's politics whole, really yeah it's and, and the truth is i mean i i quite enjoyed black widow for what it is i do think like it, it raised the, the, the lack of success around this movie raises a lot of bigger questions aside from day and date like what even is an event movie these days what does it really take for people to go see a movie they can watch at home or, or anything else. But it's also, you know, COVID is out there, you know, so uh, there are a lot of people who haven't returned to theaters yet and a lot of adult moviegoers. I loved Black Widow. I thought it was really well done and I enjoyed it. Um, I don't, you know, it was it was one of my, you know, absolutely uh, favorite Marvel movies. I, I had, I'm in long overdue. Uh, I thought Florence Pugh and, and Scarlett Johansson were both fantastic in it. Um, along, along with um, <laughs> their, their, uh, their parents, <laughs> uh, you know, Harbour and, and uh, Rachel Weisz, but, but you know, whatever. Uh, it nope. didn't perform partly because I think people were uncomfortable going back to theaters. 
So that'll we'll see how that argument plays out. And then in the meantime, speaking of uh, theaters and, and things not going as planned, here we in the it, here today we saw as, as we're recording, we found out that in the UK, uh, the theatrical release of The Green Knight was pulled with the Delta variant obviously being a major concern, although it wasn't specifically cited why. Uh, there there is now some speculation that there could be more. Uh, delayed so we're going network. back into the trenches again, where people are questioning what's safe and whether I can still I'm still going to go to theaters. I, I have no issues. I have some screenings. I'm going to show up. I'm just going to wear a mask. Yeah. And, you know, when I was in New York, I, I was to, running around yeah. on the subway and I was, you know, yep. all we over the out. place. We went to events. Went out to dinner. I was, in, I was in a press screening last night and I, I almost like was taken aback when I, I walked in. I'd gotten so used to going to press screenings where it'd be like maybe one or two people spaced out and there were like 12 to 15 people in the screening room. Everyone was wearing a mask and stuff, but it was definitely like one of those things that you notice now. So you're aware of it. And the question is, is it okay to be in these situations? Well, we feel safe doing it for now, but in different parts of the world, there are different kinds of concerns to take into account. Los Angeles is going south right now. It's not a good thing where it's going. Um, it's not back to where it was in the horrible spike period, but surge period. But it's 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 the the numbers are you know heading up. Well, be careful uh, out there. So so we're so just uh, being let's, vigilant. Let's turn to Toronto, which you, you touched on earlier. So Toronto has been making a series of announcements. First of all, just to to acknowledge their situation. So uh, Canada, I believe, is going to allow vaccinated travelers in from other countries starting in early September. This announcement reminds me of the turning point with CAN when Macron basically created a program for allowing vaccinated Americans in. And there was this sense, OK, CAN is now feasible. When we were at CAN, the conversation around Toronto was sort of like, well, how are they going to pull this off as anything different from what it was last year? Obviously, they still would like to have it have to have a bigger footprint than what it was last year to invite more people in. They've, but and they've said that 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 we are welcome, but unfortunately, yeah, the United States is saying that we are not welcome back if we go. Right. So, so we have to wait and see how that's going to play out. But Toronto definitely does seem to be doing its best to rev its engines with a series of announcements that message it being more than just a local festival with an online component. They are they, they have a tribute. They are going to do a big thing around Dune. They're going to honor Denis Villeneuve. So that's worth. So it. that's part of the Oscar uh, push for uh, Dune and the other. Of course, it's debuting in Venice and the but other not thing, an IMAX uh, and an IMAX. It'll be in IMAX in, in Toronto. And they're and they're also honoring uh, a French Canadian, uh, one of their own, someone who's been very loyal, brought his films to the festival over the years. So so that yeah. all makes sense. And and it's not a big deal for him to to be there. Um, and then they've the, they've got an opening night movie, Dear Evan Hansen. They've got Jangy Moo's One Second. They've got Searchlight's Eyes of Tammy Faye with Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield, uh, which I'm looking forward to. Um, yeah, Michael Showalter directed been, that. We've been yeah. hearing about for a while. I'm, I'm certainly curious about Dear Evan Hansen. I saw that saw it on Broadway. It's a tearjerker. I could see that playing well. And uh, the Jangy Mo film One Second was originally supposed to premiere in Berlin last year, and then. Uh, at the last big festival we went to before COVID. And then I believe it was pulled because of quote unquote technical difficulties, which people thought were 
related to censorship from the Chinese government. So somehow that was sorted and Neon recently picked it up from North America. So I'm curious to see what kind of a life it has, but it sounds sometimes Shangy Moo is the big is the real deal. Yeah. And it's I mean, a good story. It's wh- a, but why wasn't that at, at, at Cannes, for example? Well, it, it was in the Berlin lineup. And oh, they don't run Berlin. Yeah, that's decade. why. So there's yeah, that's a, why. I'm yeah. sure it's something like that. So, yeah. but So New York is coming, too. This is yeah. exciting. One We've got the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, the Cohen brothers, not the Cohen brothers, the Cohen brother, Just Joel Cohen, alone. He's flying solo on this one, although yeah. he's not exactly flying solo. Francis McDormand. Yeah, him and his wife have been cooking up this one for a while. Apparently, it's a real passion project, which the, the, the P word in this case can be a bit freaky, I suppose, for some people. Like, is the passion project a good thing or, or not? But this one, I mean, A24 has got it. It's Francis McDormand and Denzel. I mean, it's a it's beautiful with, black with Amazon, though, right? Amazon's involved. Well, it's, it is an A24 film. So I think, you know, on some level, they're really getting behind this one. It was one of the ones that Scott Rudin took his name off um that has been cooking up for a while we know that it was shooting you know during the lock the shutdowns and stuff and that it's at a certain point they were able to restart so and it's one of a series of black and white films coming up this year that that is also uh, which we looks like a good big screen experience and uh here in new york so that so that'll be the opening night on alice tilly hall which uh will reopen to the public in early september with a whole bunch of stuff. The Philharmonic will be there and all that stuff. So you can expect, unless something really scary happens, and who knows, knock on wood, that this would be a big sort of return to form for a New York Film Festival with the Tavern on the Green opening night, which we always call film prom. And, uh, Count me in. We Count already, me in. Yeah, and, and we already know that French Dispatch is going to be there, so that'll be a big thing, a big show, and uh, probably a, bun- a couple of other major movies. I mean, you can assume that some of these Netflix titles, like maybe the Jane Campion film, uh, will find a home in the fall circuit. We still don't know what Telluride looks like. We know that Telluride is requiring vaccinations, so they've got their own. I filled out my paperwork. Yeah, but uh, but we are planning to go, and uh, and it does seem like the more you talk to people, the more the sense is that in spite of not being able to happen last year, Telluride will be a it's big... It's going to be... Uh, it's going to have a lot... I feel very bad for for Toronto because even if they have some some things, um, I think uh, Telluride is going to be the uh, the juicy play um, this year. Well, here's what I would say about... the fluke them. of this COVID uh, surge that keeps, uh, you know, hitting... Part of it is Canada has, has you know... Um, their own political issues in Ontario, uh, where they just didn't control the virus uh, as well, and and where yeah. the vaccinations came in very late. Yeah, well, and they they seem to have turned that around somewhat. At least that's what they they're messaging with their they're opening up to more people. But exactly how that affects whether or not people can come in is still a real question. I mean, in, even in Can, you know, the Asia contingency, which is usually one of the biggest couldn't really be there no, so they weren't who knows there what, the thing I, I will say about toronto and what i always appreciate about it is you know by the time i go to toronto you and i we track a lot of these bigger fall titles and we get to see a lot of them by going to telluride or by seeing things early through different kinds of channels i spend a lot of time looking at other aspects of toronto and i think it doesn't get acknowledged enough that toronto programs much more 
than big fall movies. They have that discovery section. They have the platform section. I don't know exactly how all of that is shaking down with the, the you know lower volume of films, but it's more than they had last year. And they really do program more than just high profile Oscar films. I'm not saying that's a case for you know, ha- making a big noise, but well, it is. Well, if anything, though, if you're looking at it from the point of view of Oscars, Telluride has more of them than, yeah, than Toronto will have more of an in Oscar recent impact. in recent but years. I, my, my hope is that the Toronto lineup, even if whether or not we're on the ground, that it will offer a bunch of films that are worth talking about and could easily be ignored. Uh, if the festival didn't program them because they're not obvious Oscar. No, 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 no. We'll just have to watch them from home like we did last time, which is unfortunate. I hope we get to go. But if we don't, that's an option. Well, you can come over and we'll have a screening party and then you can stick around until New York Film Festival a week or so later. We'll, we'll, we'll We'll make a show of it one way or another. But we haven't, speaking of Oscar season, we haven't talked about another big development, which is the Spirit Awards, which moved way up to March 6th, three ahead weeks of the show. Way three ahead weeks. Of so, usually, as everybody knows, it's Saturday before the Oscars. It's a tent out in Santa Monica. It's in the daytime. There's this long, wonderful cocktail hour where everyone hangs out and sees each other. And so, there's a part of me that's mourning um, the loss of that because what they're going to do instead, and they're smart. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. They're smart to take advantage of the void left by the Golden Globes. And as the Critics' Choice are also doing, jump in, have more of an impact on the Oscar race, let the indies shine, um, and, and make, make a stand, uh, for a bigger show, uh, earlier in the season. It makes perfect sense. So I guess what I'm curious to to see with all of this is, you know, that we still don't really know what will fill the void that the Golden Globes, if the Golden Globes don't, you know, somehow make some dramatic comeback and that doesn't seem to be in the It's looking like they're going to be dead is my, because they're not fixing it yet. They, they are still stepping on them, their own uh, feet uh, and stumbling at every turn. Yeah. So I guess the real question then is it's like, obviously the spirit awards are jockeying for a more prominent position. They're not going to generate the kind of ratings that the globes did. No, these things grow over time, you know? Uh, So it's, it's a very, uh, they should, they should grab this and they should grab it aggressively and, and, and really make it work if they can. I mean, both in both cases of the critics choice and the indie spirits, those shows are lower budget, uh, not as starry, uh, you know, they're not as well produced as Dick Clark does with the Golden Globes, honestly. So they need to step up to a higher level of, of delivery there. Yeah. I mean, look, I love throwing a good party. We did a good one in Cannes, but I realize that if you want to sort of appeal to the masses, you got to really invest in, in looking like a fancy show. And I've always felt like the Spirit Awards feel like an extension of the kind of parties I like to throw. I mean, it's it's like you're hanging out with all your peers in, in a very sort of holistic fashion. And I and, but I also I don't know. I mean, there was a, there were a number of years there where the Spirit Awards had this problem of being too conflated with the Oscars at the expense of Films well, they kind of changed that. Yeah, in the and, last and few they, years. they have fixed it, I think, in, in a way that, that's positive by putting a budget cap of $20 million and by just, the, the, I think, the nominating committees just being, you know, acknowledging the fact that they're, 
you can cast a wider lens than the Oscars tend but this, to do. But this way, they might actually have, you know, some of the winners could actually, you know, they could, especially the winners, would have an impact on on Oscar voting. And uh, I love that. I think that's yeah, great. I mean, I'm, so, so I'm sorry they're doing that. it at night. I wish it was not just another nighttime award show. I wish they could recreate some of the vibe from Yeah, we from love partying on the beach. And that's yeah. going to be... It's, uh, losing that feels like something but hopefully it'll still be a good party and we'll be able to sort of experience some aspect of that i mean i always enjoy not just that but also just seeing the crowd it feels like the whole community comes out for this that's what world. it is yeah and that that's almost like going to like a film festival party it's like every film festival party rolled into one or something and you need that I mean, you need that to catch up with people to get a sense of how people are feeling about things so that some of that's going to have to be replicated one way or another and um, and we'll see how things play out. I guess Titane won't be part of the conversation there because it's a non-American film. But uh, there could be some other Cannes films that, that, that do surface there. I'm, I'm very excited to see Red Rocket reintroduced to the conversation in a couple months. I, I can't wait to uh, talk about that movie with more people. It's unfortunate that it, would, it, it didn't win anything because that would have been probably the number two on my list after, after Titane. Really, really incredible piece of filmmaking. So that's one that could circle back. So next week, and we'll figure out what else is going on in the world. There's obviously much that's developing. We have new, new films There's coming out. There's some screenings. There's some new yeah. movies being shown. I was a little annoyed, a little annoyed at some of the reaction to early footage of Dune, right? And the big trailer for Dune dropped. And there's all this discussion. Is Dune commercial? Is Dune <laughs> going to make its money back and everything? And I'm like, wait till you see the movie. We looked at Avatar when it was early on. And, and a lot Avatar. of people but just dumped is, on it. Yeah, you know, that turned into the biggest movie of all time. To be fair, <laughs> Avatar looked pretty damn silly when you didn't get the full picture. Well, apparently people yeah. aren't buying some of the early footage on Dune either. It looks yeah. fantastic to me. I think, well, also, I mean, I have two different brains here. Like one is the practical minded one and one is the aesthetic one. And on the creative side of things, I mean, I love Blade Runner 2049. But on the practical side, you realize that sometimes, you know, a very ambitious, arty approach to making a blockbuster doesn't translate. So if people are saying, oh, it's not a commercial movie. Well, it probably is a, it's a tough sell one way or another. It, it's long and it's a source. It of looks movie. really uh, action packed and it looks like they're really leaning on Timothy Chalamet for their and, and Zendaya as their entryways. And, and clearly uh, I'm, 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 I'm curious to see how it plays out. Clearly based on the, the memification of the, the suit he wore on the can red carpet for French dispatch. The He's got of some the pull. He definitely has simple put timmy in everything and you're basically good to go done deal so anyway okay and we're back we're catching up on sleep i hope you get a chance to uh you know figure out your surroundings again but also to to you know rest easy in spite of everything that still is going on in the world that's so unpredictable because we've been working hard and we need to take a breather so i'll see you soon refreshed and all that stuff bye bye, bye eric Thank you.